Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show, where each week I rank movies in a variety of categories, from genre and franchise to subgenre to directors and actors. No film is left unwatched as I break down my top five picks. So join me every Sunday for a new episode and get ready to dive into the world of film with Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show. Good evening, cinephiles. Welcome to a very special episode of Top 5. Tonight, we are delving into the dark and intricate world of David Fincher, a filmmaker who has consistently redefined the boundaries of storytelling through his distinctive style and unyielding exploration of complex themes. David Fincher's journey through cinema is a testament to his unrelenting pursuit of perfection starting from his early days in music videos to his ascension as one of Hollywood's most visionary directors, Fincher has established himself as a true artisan in the realm of modern filmmaking. Fincher's work is known for its meticulous attention to detail, from the precision of his camera movements to the exaction, uh, his exacting composition of each frame, his films delve into the depths of human psychology, exploring themes of obsession, control, and the darker aspects of human nature. His storytelling is not just about what's on the surface, but about peeling back the layers to reveal the complexities underneath. It's the way Fincher captures the mood, the atmosphere, the very essence of a narrative that sets his work apart. His use of lighting and color, his choice of music, the rhythm of his editing, all these elements come together to create a cinematic experience that's distinctly Fincher. Tonight, we're not just ranking films, we're exploring a body of work that challenges us to think, to question, and to look deeper. In a Fincher film, every detail is deliberate. Every shot is a piece of a larger puzzle. And every story is an uh, invitation into an immersive, often unsettling world. So join me as we delve into the filmography of David Fincher, celebrating a filmmaker who dares to confront the uncomfortable and reveal the unseen. It's more than a ranking. It's an appreciation of a master at work. I love David Fincher after having seen... The Killer, his most recent film on Netflix, released a few weeks ago. I felt like now is the perfect time to revisit all of David Fincher's films and rank them on top five. So that is what I am here doing today, ranking my top five favorite David Fincher films. Uh, one of my favorite directors and an auteur that doesn't necessarily write his own films. Most of his most of his movies are based on books, uh, but they are so well done and so interesting. And uh, it was tough. Like I could easily it was tough narrowing it down to just five films. Uh, there are movies that I am looking forward to talking about in the honorable mentions that I wish had made the list. I you know, this would have been this would have made for a good top ten. But the show is called Top Five. So <laughs> don't want to break from formatting uh i guess i could have done a two-parter but 
Uh, I'll talk about the ones, the movies that didn't make the list in honorable mentions. But let's start with the list. Let's get it started. With the fifth, my fifth favorite David Fincher film. This is one of the few films that was a first-time watch. And not only was I blown away with this movie, but it made me want to watch uh, the original films that were also based on the source material. But coming in at number five is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This came out in 2011, psychological thriller. Uh, it is an American adaptation of the Swedish novel of the same name by Stieg Larsson. The first book in, in his Millennium series. The film is noted for its dark and gritty tone, intricate plot, and strong performances. In this film, you have Daniel Craig, is Mikhail Blomqvist, a journalist who has recently lost a libel case, a libel case. You have Rooney Mara a, as Lisbeth uh, Salander, a brilliant but troubled computer hacker. You also have Christopher Plummer as Henrik uh, Wenger, a wealthy businessman who hires Blunkvist to solve a decades-old family mystery. You also have Stellan Skarsgård as Martin Wengler, uh, Henrik's nephew and CEO of the Wenger company. You also have Robin Wright, who plays Stephen... Uh, you also have Robin Wright, Stephen Berkoff and Jolie Richardson in supporting roles. This film follows Mikhail Blunkfist, a journalist recently disgraced by a lost libel case. He is hired by Henrik Wenger, the patriarch of the wealthy Wenger family, under the guise of writing the family's history. In reality, Blunkfist is tasked with investigating the 40-year-old dis disappearance uh, and presumed murder of Wenger's niece, Harriet. Blunkfist's investigation leads him to enlist the help of Lisbeth Salander, a skilled researcher and hacker with a troubled past. Together, they delve into the darker secrets and history of the Wenger family, uncovering a series of murders connected to Harriet's disappearance. As they dig deeper, the pair finds themselves confronting a trail of violence and corruption that extends far beyond what they initially expected. The investigation becomes increasingly dangerous, putting both of their lives at risk. Uh, many notable aspects of this film uh, one of which is the atmosphere and style. True to Fincher's style, the film creates a dark, moody atmosphere that complements its complex and gritty narrative. Of course, you have Rooney Mara's performance and portrayal of Lisbeth Sandler received widespread acclaim. She transformed herself physically and emotionally for the role, bringing intensity and depth to the character. You have, uh, in this film, a faithful adaptation. While the film makes some changes, it stays largely faithful to the source material, capturing the essence of Larson's novel. And, of course, as with many, uh, with many uh, David Fincher films, the cinematography and score are great. The film features Fincher's signature visual aesthetic with bleak, cold landscapes that match the tone of the story. The score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross adds to the film's intense and unsettling feel. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo received critical acclaim for its direct, uh, direction, screenplay, and performances, particularly Mara's. 
it's a film that combines mystery, psychological drama, and thriller elements to create a compelling adaptation of Larson's novel. The movie was both a commercial and critical success, further, further solidifying Fincher, Fincher's status as a masterful director of psychological thrillers. Uh, this movie was great. Not at all what I had expected it to be. Uh, one of many great mysteries thrillers that fincher has done really made me want to watch the original swedish trilogy uh also the sequel that came out which wasn't directed by fincher uh but definitely makes me want to and i probably will in january uh review the three uh original swedish films that were based on these books um and see how different they were but at least to see a more cohesive um story because i think they were all done by the same director uh but yeah i loved it blew me away the end of the movie kind of uh the the post uh mortem the uh the um what is that called the the end kind of feels tacked on when she does her thing where she gets all the money which is great <laughs> after they solve the mystery there's this little bit where she scams the guy that was uh going after the main character uh daniel craig's character uh which is great but um it also feels like clearly ryan johnson saw daniel craig in this role and thought of him for Benoit Blanc for the Knives Out series that uh, he is great in. You know, another, I mean, he's a reporter in this, but he's still researching things. He's an investigator, in some ways a detective. Um, not as fun as Benoit Blanc is, but I can see that maybe being the, the inspiration for Ryan Johnson wanting uh, Daniel Craig in his film. But great first time watch was so much fun. I didn't know if it was going to make the list because every film of David Fincher's is great. Um, and maybe because this was a I, there's some recency bias being the first one and it blowing me away is why it's here at number five. But regardless, I had a lot of fun with this movie and it makes me want to dive into the rest of the original Millennium Trilogy as well as the sequel to this one. So we'll see. Coming in number five is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Moving on to number four, this is a movie that I was working at the theater when it came out. This is a movie that I enjoyed then and I still enjoy today. It is a very simple film, probably one of the most simple films that David Fincher has done, uh, but a lot of fun, a great home invasion story. Coming in at number four is Panic Room. This came out in 2002. It's a thriller known for its tense narrative and stylized direction. The film explores themes of intrusion, survival, and the maternal protection. It's a taut, claustrophobic thriller that showcases Fincher's ability to create suspense and tension. A great cast in this one. Jodie Foster as Meg Altman, a recently divorced woman who moves into a new home with her daughter, who is played by Christian, Kristen Stewart. Uh, Sarah Altman, Meg's diabetic daughter. You also have Forrest Whitaker as Burnham, 
a burglar who a who a burglar with a conscience who is involved in the break-in but is sympathetic to the plight of the woman. You also have Jared Leto as Junior, the leader of the burglars, who is arrogant and impulsive. You have Dwight Yoakam as Raul, a violent and unpredictable burglar. Great performance from Dwight Yoakam in this. Terrifying as uh, Raul. Uh, in this film... It centers around Meg Altman, played by Jodie Foster, and her daughter Sarah, played by Kristen Stewart, who move into a four-story brownstone in New York City's Upper West Side. The house is equipped with a panic room, a fortified room designed to protect the occupants from intruders. On their first night in their home, their house is broken into by three burglars, played by Burnham, Jr., and Raul. The burgers, burglars are... After $3 million hidden in the home's panic room safe. But Meg and Sarah, unaware of the intruders, have already locked themselves inside of it. What follows is a tense game of cat and mouse as the burglars try to force their way into the room. While Meg tries to protect her daughter and find a way to call for help. The situation is further complicated by Sarah's diabetes, which becomes a critical issue as the night progresses a lot of notable aspects in this movie the claustrophobic setting the film effectively uses the confines space the confined space of the panic room to create a sense of claustrophobia and heightened the suspension uh the suspense you have amazing performances by F jodie foster as well as kristen stewart they deliver both deliver strong performances capturing the fear and determination of their characters in a high-stress situation. You also have the great technical execution of Fincher's direction. It's notable for its technical precision. The film uses elaborate camera movements uh, to navigate the tight spaces of the house, adding to the tense atmosphere. You also have great character depth. The burglars are portrayed as three uh, three-dimensional characters, particularly Burnham, who shows conflict and depth, adding complexity to the narrative. The sound design uh, plays a key role in building tension with the sound of the house and the intruders' movements amplifying the suspense. Panic Room was well-received by critics and audiences alike for its suspenseful direction, and strong performances, and technical prowess. It was a com commercial success and further solidified David Fincher's reputation as a master of the thriller genre. Uh, this is just a, such a fun movie to watch. Uh, I mean, fun if you're looking for a suspenseful home invasion movie. It's so great. I, I really do enjoy watching it. It's so simple, too. Um, and this movie coming off of his success of Fight Club uh, to do to kind of pull back and do something far more simple but with great characters um like force whitaker is amazing in this movie makes such a sympathetic character uh dwight yoakam right it's dwight yoakam uh a terrifying villain and uh yeah where this movie goes i kind of forgot where it went at moments because it's been a while since i've watched it uh, but a great movie nonetheless, and just, uh, it's like one of the only Fincher movies that's like, because it's so simple, you could just kind of put it on, and it's a great ride, and then, you know, it's over. I don't think it's, 
Uh, I don't know how short it is. It's almost two hours, but it flies by. It feels like a 90-minute movie. It really does. Uh, but so great. From top to bottom, love this movie. That's why it's here. Number four, Panic Room. Let's take a short break from this episode. Hey, loyal listeners of The Ray Taylor Show. You know, it's one thing to tune in and engage with the content that I passionately create for you. But what if I told you there's a way to wear your fandom? Introducing our exclusive line of merchandise inspired directly by the vibes and visuals of this very podcast. From stylish t-shirts that'll make you stand out in the crowd to our eco-friendly biodegradable phone cases adorned with artwork inspired by the show. You can now carry a piece of the Ray Taylor show wherever you go. Whether you're looking to make a fashion statement, protect your phone with some flair, or simply to show off your love for the show, our merchandise has got you covered. Ready to rock our gear? Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com and get yours today. Wear the show, be the vibe. Now let's get back to the show. Moving on to number three. This is a film that, I mean... It's so it was really tough ranking these movies, ranking my top five uh, and ranking the top three is even more difficult uh, that I could easily see either any of these movies being at number one. Uh, but I kind of boiled these down to how they impact me today, not how they impacted me when they came out, not how they they may have ranked in my head uh, over the years in the past, but really ranking them in this most recent rewatch. And this movie, I think a lot of people would say is David Fincher's masterpiece. And I would agree, but uh, it's sitting here at number three because there's two movies that I liked more uh personally and in this the rewatch but this is a great movie regardless and a movie that i was looking forward to rewatching. it had been a long time since i w watched this movie uh but it is a great film nonetheless so coming in at number three my third favorite david fincher film is zodiac came out in 2007 this is a mystery thriller based on the 1986 nonfiction book titled zodiac by robert graysmith the film explores the manhunt for the Zodiac Killer, a serial killer who terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area during the late 1960s and early 1970s. The Zodiac Killer was never caught, making the film both a historical document and a comp complex crime mystery. Great cast in this, Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Graysmith, a cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle who becomes deeply involved in the case. You have a great performance from Mark Ruffalo as Inspector David Tolshi, a one of the lead detectives working on the Zodiac case. Also, Robert Downey Jr. as Paul Avery, a reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle. You have Anthony Edwards as an, an inspector, Williams Armstrong, Tochi's, uh, Tosh, Toshi's partner. You also have Brian Cox as Melvin uh, Belay a celebrity attorney who receives a letter from the Zodiac. Uh, the In this movie, Zodiac begins with a series of brutal murders by a killer who refers to himself as Zodiac and taunts the police with letters uh, 
uh, bloodstained clothing, and ciphers mailed to newspapers. The film follows the detectives and journalists involved in the case over, this, uh, over several years as they attempt to identify the killer. Robert Graysmith, a cartoonist and puzzle enthusiast, becomes fascinated with Zodiac ciphers and begins his own investigation into the killings. His obsession with solving the case strains his personal life and leads him down a path of numerous theories and suspects. Detective Toshi, who becomes deeply involved in the case, faces professional and personal challenges as leads to, uh, as leads to nowhere and the case grows cold the film meticulously details the investigation including the various leads suspects and the impact on those involved in the case it portrays the growing obsession and frust uh, frustration of both graysmith and toshi as they try to bring the uh, elusive killer to justice uh, many notable aspects to this movie of course the tension of detail attention to details fincher a direction is noted for its meticulous attention to detail, recreating the time period and investigation with high accuracy. Uh, of course, the tone and atmosphere of Zodiac is characterized by its dark tone and slow build, creating an atmosphere of tension and unease that mirrors the obsession of its characters. Of course, you have a lack of resolution because this true-to-life, uh, real-life case the film does not provide a clear resolution reflecting the unsolved nature of the Zodiac killing. Great performances in this movie. The film features strong performances from its ensemble cast, particularly Gyllenhaal, Ruffalo, and Downey Jr. Uh, the critical reception for Zodiac was, claimed, uh, was acclaimed by critics for its writing, directing, and acting. Uh, though it was not a major box office success, over time it has been recognized as one of the best films of its genre. Zodiac is often lauded for its realistic portrayal of a criminal investigation and the psychological impact on those involved. It's considered one of David Fincher's masterpieces and, is significant and, and, and a significant entry in the true crime genre of filmmaking. It's amazing. It is amazing. The investigation, the different suspects, and while this movie doesn't tell you who it is, it makes a really good case for who the Zodiac Killer was. And from what I remember, the creation of this film unearthed new evidence potentially that made a stronger case for why a certain person was probably the Zodiac killer. It's a great movie. I loved the rewatch of it. It is kind of a slow pace, but despite the fact it's two hours and 40 minutes and has a slow pace, it was a ride that I was with every, every step of the way uh, and loved the rewatch. And it is, a masterpiece but maybe because of the slower pace it's why it is sitting here at number three and not higher which i could easily different different time of day different mood maybe i would have this at number one uh, but coming in at number three my third favorite david fincher film is zodiac 
Moving on to my second favorite David Fincher film, and this is a movie that for many years was my favorite movie, was my favorite movie of all time. This is the only movie that I didn't rewatch for this because I have seen this movie so many times, so many times, and rewatched it recently probably last year or so, and maybe even sooner than that. And I might still watch it uh, after this, just thinking about it. Uh, but in rewatching of all of David Fincher movies, I felt there was one movie that I liked more, that it, I feel is my favorite David Fincher film, despite the fact that this movie was my best, my favorite film of all time. For a very long time. Um, but regardless, coming in at number two, my second favorite David Fincher film is Fight Club. This movie came out in 1999 based on the 1996 novel of the same name written by Chuck Palahniuk. It's a cult classic known for its critique on consumerist culture, exploration of identity and mental health, and its twist ending. The film is celebrated for its unique style, complex narrative, and thought-provoking themes. The cast in this is amazing. Edward Norton plays the unnamed protagonist, referred to as the narrator, who is discontent with his white-collar job and consumerist lifestyle. You have Brad Pitt, as Tyler Durden, a charismatic and enig uh, enigmatic figure who becomes the narrator's close friend and the co-founder of Fight Club. Also, Helena Bonham Carter as Marla Singer, a woman who, like the narrator, frequently support goes to frequents support groups for an ailments that she doesn't have. In this movie, begins Fight Club begins with the narrator and insomniac and delusioned uh, uh, automobile recall specialists seeking solace in support groups for various diseases. His life changes when he meets Tyler Durden on a flight. Together, they form an underground fight club as a form of radical psychotherapy. The film delves into the narrator's struggle with his mundane existence and his complex, rela complex relationship with Tyler. As fight, as fight Club evolves into the anarchist Project Mayhem, which aims to disrupt the social system, the narrator becomes increasingly alarmed by Tyler's extreme ideology and methods. A significant twist towards the end of the film reveals, spoiler alert, that Tyler Durden is actually a manifestation of the narrator's disassociated personality a result of his severe insomnia and delusionment with society. The narrator is both Tyler and himself embodying the struggle between his suppressed desire, desires and his conscious self. Notable aspects of this movie, of course, the themes of Fight Club is a deep dive into themes of consumerism, masculinity, and identity crisis in, a, in the modern world. It challenges social norms and critiques the emptiness of materialistic culture. The narrative structure of this film, the film's unconventional narrative, non-linear storytelling, and the twist ending challenge viewers' perception and invite multiple interpretations. 
Of course, the visual style, Fincher's direction and film's visual style are unique with a gritty uh, aesthetic that complements its exploration of dark and complex themes. Of course, this movie had a great, a huge cultural impact. Uh, upon release, Fight Club received polarized reactions, but has since gained a strong cult following. It's been subject of extensive analysis and debate, particularly from its portrayal of anti-establishment sentiments and the exploration of mental health. Fight Club is now regarded as one of the most significant films of the 90s, both for its artistic merit and for the way it captures the zeitgeist of the era's anxieties and delusionment. The famous line from the movie, the first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club, has become a popular cultural reference. Uh, this, yeah, this is a movie that blew me away. Uh, is a movie that when you're a 20-year-old kid, um, man, it really taps into a lot of the things that you are going on in your life as a 20 year old kid without a direction. Um, and this movie over the years, I relate to this movie in different ways as I've gotten older and understanding how this movie is perceived through my view as a 40 year old versus as a 20 year old. It's, you know, it probably one of the reasons why it's down here at number two, um, because I have a, a different relationship to this movie. But yeah, this movie is amazing um, and led me to read many of Chuck Palahniuk's books. I could never read Fight Club, the book, because I had watched this movie so much and there are changes that were made from the book to the movie that I couldn't process. And it would always... It always uh, malfunctioned my brain trying to read the book. But I read many other Chuck Palahniuk books, which are very similar in tone, um, kind of gritty, dark subculture type books uh, with a dark sense of humor to them. Uh, but yeah, amazing movie. One of many great uh, times Fincher and, and uh, Brad Pitt I've teamed up. He's in pits in multiple Fincher films. And uh, yeah, this movie was a big aspect of my life. Uh, it was my personality for a lot, you know, um, for good or bad. It was definitely kind of an interesting uh, thing to for a guy in my tw in my 20s, not having a father figure and for this movie to kind of have this you know, this delusional, anarchistic, uh, toxic, masculine guy. Um, yeah, was kind of that for me for many years. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie. That's why coming in at number two, my second favorite David Fincher film of all time and movie that was my favorite film of all time for many years Coming in number two is Fight Club. Let's take a quick break from the show. Listeners, are you ready to take your experience with the Ray Taylor Show to the next level? Dive into Inspired Disorder Plus. For just $5 a month, you unlock a world of premium content that's sure to satisfy your every entertainment and artistic craving. 
Imagine enjoying the Ray Taylor Show completely ad-free the full week in both audio and video formats. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Get exclusive access to the live painting archive. Be the first to lay eyes on new releases from the many faces and enjoy members-only discounts and deals that'll have you coming back for more. With a treasure trove that includes a podcast back catalog, boasting 14 unique shows and over 600 episodes, personal insights through Ray Taylor's personal blog, creative writing to spark your imagination, and an interactive Ask Me Anything section. Inspired Disorder Plus is a feast for the curious mind. Ready to elevate your entertainment game? Head on over to inspireddisorder.com plus and become a member of an exclusive club. Dive in, indulge, and inspire your senses. Now let's get back to the show. Now moving on to my favorite David Fincher film of all time. My number one favorite film that he has directed. And this movie in the rewatch blew me away. The first time I watched this movie, like it stuck with me in a way that very few films have. And has one of the best endings of any movie that ties everything up so masterfully um, and was easily my number one. Easily my number one. So coming in number one, my favorite David Fincher film of all time is Seven or Seven. seven. The Seven with the Seven as the V. However you want to say it. Seven. Came out in 1995. It's a neo-noir psychological crime thriller. The film is known for its dark and gritty portrayal of serial killer crimes, uh, of a serial killer's crimes, as well as its intense atmosphere and involves innovative storytelling. Seven is often cited as one of Fincher's best films and has become a classic in the thriller genre. Of course, this has a great cast. Brad Pitt, another great matchup with David Fincher as Detective David Mills, a young and somewhat hot-headed detective who recently transferred to an unnamed city where the film is set. You also have Morgan Freeman as a detective, William Somerset, a seasoned and world-weary detective on the verge of retirement. Of course, you also have Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy Mills, David's wife, who struggles with adjusting to life in the city. And, of course, Kevin Spacey as John Doe the enigmatic and methodical serial killer who murders uh, whose murders form the film's central plot. Seven follows the story of two detectives, the veteran William Somerset and the rookie David Mills, who are paired up to investigate a series of gruesome murders. Each murder is uniquely brutal and is found to represent one of the seven deadly sins. Gluttony, greed, sloth, envy, wrath, pride, and lust. The film delves into the psychological and moral dimensions of the crimes as the detectives try to understand the killer's motivations and anticipate his next moves. Somerset, with his claim and uh, with his calm and methodical approach, contrasts with Mills' impulsive nature creating a dynamic, intense partnership. 
As the investigation continues, the detectives are drawn deeper into the twisted worldview of the killer, leading to a climactic and shocking conclusion that challenges both their moral compasses and their psychological endurance. So many notable aspects to this film. The atmosphere of this film, of course, the film is noted for its dark, rain-drenched visual style, which creates a bleak and oppressive atmosphere fitting for the film's tone and themes the narrative and themes of this film seven is renowned for its uh intelligent and intricate plot rich and thematic content exploring the nature of evil and the thought-provoking exploration of sin and human nature of course david fincher's uh direction is meticulous and stylized, contributing significantly to the film's tense and foreboding mood. The performances, particularly by Friedman, Pitt, and Spacey, are widely praised for their depth and intensity. The ending of this film, the film's climax, especially its infamous final scene, is particularly notable for its impact and has been widely discussed and analyzed. Seven was both a critical and commercial success, solidifying David Fincher's reputation as a director capable of creating gripping, visual, distinctive films. Its influence can be seen in many subsequent crime thrillers and police procedurals, and it remains a benchmark for the genre. Yeah, this movie is so good. It's so good. The different characters you know Pitt playing the hothead is perfect uh morgan freeman playing the wise veteran is great uh kevin spacey as we know in real life is as creepy as uh aspects of his character which are insane insane and meticulous the things that this guy does and plans and executes um yeah this movie the the question of what's in the box has never had the same impact as it has once this movie came into being uh brad pitt asking what is in the box is and when you know what's in the box uh and seeing how the master plan of this person all comes together it is just amazing you don't see it coming at all they don't see it coming it's so great in every way uh and uh it really does have that 90s gritty grimy look and feel to it and i i love every aspect of this movie it's so great and that's why it's here at number one my favorite david fincher film is seven uh honorable mentions uh another teaming with team up with brad pitt curious case of benjamin button i had a rewatch of this movie uh since having seen it when it was originally released liked it a lot more in this rewatch uh some of the visual effects are still a little bit uncanny valley uh it it is an interesting like story though and and ride kind of in some ways almost like a uh forrest gump kind of a movie but not as goofy you know, a very interesting kind of way to tell the story of this unique person's life who is aging backwards. Um, I liked it a lot in the rewatch. 
wasn't surprised that it didn't make my list. Uh, the Game, another amazing movie. Uh, however, in my rewatch this time, trying to think of how logistically a company would be able to pull all of this stuff off without massive accidents happening, without clients potentially killing themselves or killing other people. If you can let go of that aspect of this movie, it is a great movie with a, a really surprising twist ending uh, that I enjoyed. The game uh, is one I wish should make the list, but it, how are you going to do that? So many great movies from David Fincher. Uh, Social Network, another great movie, although, you know, movies about billionaires, you know, it's a, it's a great movie, but Zuckerberg is one of many billionaires who are actively making this world worse. So despite it being a well-made movie, the subject matter, like they're making one for another billionaire who I think is uh, uh, just as, if not a bigger, worthless billionaire. Like, I, I really love to see a movie where somebody goes and hunts billionaires. That's the movie I want to see. I want to see The Billionaire Hunter. And uh, maybe it would be a movie that inspires uh, some real events, because I don't think we need billionaires in this world right now. I think they are the biggest cause of everything that's wrong with, with society and the planet. Uh, so yeah, social network. <laughs> That's why that didn't make the list. Uh, Gone Girl, uh, good f film. Not a fan though. Not a fan. Didn't really like it when I first watched it. Still didn't really like it. I really don't like Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck is one of the most overrated actors. Uh, I mean, the one aspect of this movie is that he plays an unlikable character, which he can pull off, but... Um, there's just aspects of this movie that I don't know. Uh, it, it's not a bad movie, but I'm just not a fan of Affleck. Um, so, you know, interesting film, uh, the killer, which is the newest film from David Fincher also has some of the worst performances I've seen in any David Fincher film, which is mind blowing for a guy that is so detail oriented and, and, makes his actors do multiple multiple takes to make sure they do it perfect uh to see a movie where so many performances are very like i don't know just i really didn't like the performances aside from the lead uh yeah a great movie though I've, i watched it twice uh alien three or alien to the third you know not the worst alien movie but eh, not a great movie uh mank a movie that i didn't really connect with a uh, well-made movie, but just a story that probably the least David Fincher, David Fincher film um, is Mank. But um, yeah, the game I would have loved to see on my list. Uh, you know, did I miss any? It seems like maybe I'm missing some. But anyway, let me recap my list and we'll get out of here, shall we? This is my top five David Fincher films ranked. My top five favorite David Fincher films. This is my top five favorite David Fincher films ranked. Starting off with number five is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Number four is Panic Room. Number three is Zodiac. Number two is Fight Club. 
And number one, my favorite David Fincher film of all time is Seven. Let me know how you would rank your favorite David Fincher films. Uh, make a case for any of the movies that I, I left off the list. It feels like I missed one that I didn't add to the honorable mentions, but maybe not. Uh, regardless, I'd love to hear your rant rankings of your favorite David Fincher films. Let me know in the comments. Hit me up on social media. Thank you all for tuning in to Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show. I do hope you enjoyed my rankings and analysis of my top five favorite David Fincher films. Let me know how you would rank them. Are there any films I missed or should reconsider? And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on youtube.com slash inspired disorder where all these episodes are available in video format. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday for an all new episode. And I will see you again next week for more top Five. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Purchase Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had, can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.